0: Welcome to an inspirational teaching.
1: We hope you enjoy this teaching. Sunday after Sunday, we all come, we gather here together as a family. And as we come together, we declare the praises of God. We sing of how good God is. We declare that He is great and mighty, that He is all powerful. We sit, we listen to the word, even as we hear. ...teaching, coming out, what God can do in the lives of people. This Sunday, we want you to hear testimonies. We want you to hear stories of real people who have been touched by God. We say it, we sing it, we proclaim it. We need to see it. And so this morning we have some live testimonies of people who have been touched by God... ...and what God has done in their lives. We know that transformation happens because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Sit back, relax, and see what God has done in some individual's life. And have faith that he can do it in your life too. So I'd like to request Daniel Kumar to be the first one to come. And he's going to be sharing his testimony here with us.
2: Thank you, Annie. Good morning, church. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Daniel Kumar and my wife is Sylvia. So I think there's a connection there. <laughs> uh, yeah. And a little bit about me. Uh, I've been a uh, Bangalorean uh, most of my life. I did my engineering over here, and then I moved to the U.S. for my master's. And over there, I, I studied for two years, and then moved on to work for another close to six years in Los Angeles before I moved back to India. And during my stay in the uh, U.S., I started to backslide I started to walk away from God I started to indulge in sin and my friends became more important than my God and then more important than my family and during that time I knew who God was you know but I still chose to follow the wrong path and I took his grace and mercy for granted and my relationship with God was just so artificial I would go to church probably once a month or twice a month just because my mom would call up from India and ask, you know, if you have gone to church, and just to please her and my father, I would be like, you know, let me just go to church, and you know, that way things are fine. So my relationship was very, very mundane. Uh, There was no passion, you know, for God at that time. And around five and a half years, six years into my job in the States, somehow there was need in me to move back to India, you know. I kind of felt that I'd really strayed away a lot. I started to think less about my family, and at that point, you know, uh, I wanted to move back. And it so happened that uh, I got engaged to Sylvia, and uh, my marriage was uh, due in August of 2011, and I decided to move back. So, that being another story, I started to visit Adonai, because Sylvia was uh, from here. I'm more from the Methodist Church. It's a mainline church, and I was not really used to the teachings of deliverance and healing. And these were things that were really new to me. So I started to attend church over here. But initially, there was really no interest. Uh, it was a really lively church. You know, people are raising their hands up, and I was kind of confused with what was going on. And before marriage, uh, Sylvia wanted to make sure something. So she said, You attend Encounter. And uh, I said, Okay. Just to please her, I said, Okay. And I went to Encounter. And after three days, I stayed there just for two days. During the sessions, I saw a lot of people being touched by the Holy Spirit. But, you know, for for me, it was just, there was nothing absolutely happening for me. And so the third day, I decided I'm not going to come back. I usually don't like to please people, but, you know, sometimes I draw a line. So I said, I'm not going to come back. And I told Sylvia, you know, I I really didn't feel anything. So I'm not going to come back for uh, the third day of encounter. So anyways, we got married. And uh, she slowly started to ask if I'd be interested in the nine-day school. I heard a lot about it. Thinking it was an extension of the encounter. I was not really keen because of how encounter had you know, how the experience to me was. I was not really keen on the nine-day school. but it so happened that I used to use my work as an excuse. and I think at uh, one point supernaturally, my work stopped. I had my job, but my project stopped. <laughs> and it coincided with the nine- day school that was happening last year during uh, April May. So I said, you know what, okay, I'll give it a try. So I decided to go to days school. So I went to Karbele Ram. And during the school, you know, the very first session itself, it spoke about God's love as a father. And you know, that really touched me in a way that I started to weep, you know. I really felt God's presence, you know, right there at that moment. It was the very first session, you know. And uh, being in the US, you know, I've been really hardened being in the States alone without your family. You, you become so strong, you become so, you know, hard-hearted that I don't think, I would never remember the last time I cried for like 7-8 years but during those 9-day schools, you know, most of the session I was uh, crying. During the first session, I felt like the prodigal son. I really felt like I was in that parable and I could see God's arm, you know, wide open and he embracing me in spite of me running away from him. I didn't want much to do with him at that point but God really touched me at the very first session of 90 school. And so, start coming to the other sessions and to to listen to God's word. All of those sessions in 90 school ministered to me, the ministry team, and a lot of those sessions, you know, talked to me in a personal way. But there was this one session, during the Rima word session, there was this picture cards that were placed on a table. And Annie asked us to go uh, one by one and pick up a card. And it was my turn to pick up a card. So, before I went there, I just spoke to God in my heart. I said, God, I feel so shameful, you know, for all that I've done to you during the past. And if you could just speak to me directly, just let me know that you're there for me, that you love me, you know, that's more than enough. So there was just a one-liner I'd said, and then I walked towards the table, and on the table there were many cards. Now, most of these cards were very picturesque. They had pictures of uh, skies, mountains, the lovely valleys, and, you know, the fields. But there was this couple of cards, you know, which would not catch one's eye, you know, it was a picture of a lock, an iron lock over a wooden gate. And it was a little bit weird for that card to be placed among all the cards. But then at that point, I felt that my life was like that. It was like this locked over my life and I wanted to be set free. So something nudged me, asked me to go pick up that card. And so I I went and I picked up that card and I turned back to see the promise verse that was written on it. And this is what it said. It's from Isaiah 61, 7. It said, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. So that was the turning point, you know, where I knew that God had spoken to me directly. Because I I used the word shame when I spoke to him. And the way the word started, it said, instead of your shame. You know, when I look back, I've, I've grown uh, much closer to Him. And I'm really confident there's a lot more that God is going to work in my life. He's going to bring me more closer. And I know that He's not going to leave me nor forsake me. So after 9 days school, I want to just share a few aspects of my life where I could just see God's favor, His blessings upon my life in a very big way. I work for uh, Volvo. Uh, I'm in the uh, program management team. When I joined Volvo two and a half years back, I joined as a assistant uh, project manager and uh, i was called into a few meetings early on in my uh, days with volvo and uh, i was shadowing a very senior program uh, manager and uh, she would tell me you know you know daniel can you please take the notes in the meeting and a part of me felt very humiliated because i was like I- i've studied so much i have u.s experience and now she's asked me to take meeting notes can't she find somebody else to take meeting notes but anyways, I decided I'll take it because that was my calling at that point to take meeting notes. So I started. I started taking meeting notes and I started doing small work for her, like making Excel files, coloring them. It was... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite a challenge, you know, for me. I think I was a little bit, uh, yeah, high-headed at that point. But as the days moved, as the months moved, by, I could see that slowly I was being given more responsibilities. You know, slowly they asked me to start taking up projects and leading them. And I could see that, you know, God's favor was there in my life. You know, wherever I put my hands, you know, even if it was that Excel file, even if it was those meeting notes, it used to be so good that should come back saying, you've done such a good job, you know, in the small things, you know. And slowly, I started to get more responsibility. So what happened uh, is uh, they gave me quite a good number of projects to run, and I delivered them really well. So they promoted me. They made me a project manager. That was right after 90 day school, you know, 3-4 months into 90 day school, I had become a project manager. Then uh, last year, during November, I was just uh, sitting in my office and then I got this phone call from Germany. And it was one of these people from this executive management board of the company who had called me directly on my cell phone, to my surprise. And uh, Volvo was starting a huge program. They were starting a multi-million dollar SAP HANA program for the company. And I couldn't believe my words. She, she actually told me, you know, Daniel, we are starting this and we would like for you to run the program as an interim program manager. That was beyond my expertise, definitely. It was 20 years above what I had at that point. But I just saw how good God was, you know. I was, from, from taking meeting notes, I was going to drive one of the biggest programs for the Volvo Group. And even as I sat in those meetings, I could see how God was being so good to me. He lifted me up from, from nowhere to become the head of the team i was in the negotiation deals for volvo and sap you know and i was taking shots they were taking my input and advice for hiring people who were been charged like a million dollars in a year and there were people who had 20 years more than me and i was asked to pick up these people and i was asked for my input you know if i wanted them on my team and so i saw god's favor on my work life in my personal life uh, sil and i we were trying for a baby for a long time We had quite a dry patch for a very long time. And uh, when we least expected, to our surprise, Sil uh, became pregnant. She is now eight months into her pregnancy. During our third-month scan, we went for a third-month scan, which you do the third, the fifth, and the seventh month. And uh, during the third-month scan, there was a tricuspid valve regurgitation condition that was diagnosed with the baby. And this is caused because of a heart leak. The wall does not close and the, the, the blood comes back into the wall, the, one of the chambers. So at that point, uh, <clears throat> my, my life and Sil's life, it, was, it came crashing down. And uh, I was really upset at that point. As you can understand, I even told God, you know, God, if you have anything against me, you know, you, you put it on me, you know, but you don't harm the baby or my wife. Because I loved my wife so much, so I didn't want. I was trying to protect them, you know, as a as a husband. And uh, I would sit up a couple of nights, and I went through the internet and I would read up this thesis and this journals on medical science. And I quickly understood how to read up all the graphs and how to read up all of the reports that the doctor had said, you know. So I understood exactly the terms, what they meant. I understood all the syndromes. I understood everything, and I knew that this was a serious condition. And it could be tied to a number of syndromes, and there was no cure for this. And so, me and Sil, we decided that, you know, we are not going to accept this. During our prayer times together, this was one verse that uh, Sil had got. It was, There shall be no one miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days from Exodus 23 26. And this was a promise given to us much before Sil even got pregnant. So, we started to claim on the power of this promise. And I told God that I'm not going to accept the reports. And the doctor suggested me to go and do further tests. I even took the report. I went to another doctor, a much senior doctor in the city. And she said the same thing. So at that point I said, you know what, I'm not going to take any more tests. I'm done. I'm just going to go back home, pray about this and leave it to God. During Easter service, I remember Pastor Victor had specifically asked for people with heart and valve conditions. And I remember nobody stood up. But at that point... I was so thankful to God because I felt God was speaking directly to Sil and me and telling us, you know, that he is with us. He's not going to leave us, not forsake us. And so we put our hands on her stomach and we prayed for the baby's heart for complete healing, for complete restoration. And then I went for the fifth month scan as usual and praise God that problem was not there. And I went for the seventh scan a couple of weeks back, and the baby's growing so beautifully. And the baby's perfectly healthy, with the perfect weight. We could see the four chambers of the heart. It was so beautiful, you know, to see how God just miraculously just healed the baby out of whatever, you know, abnormality it had. And I just want to thank God, you know, in my career, in my personal life. I was seeing God's faithfulness. So I started to see His favor upon my life. Now, personally to me, you know, in this church, I had plugged in, but I had not really... I was not really giving, I was only receiving. I kept receiving the word, I kept receiving from the different ministries, but I was never really plugged in, I was never giving it back to the church. And I remember that I always felt that I'm not musically gifted. Also, I felt the were of hands, and I'm that kind of person. If I go for a road trip and if I know that two, three people are taking charge, I'll sit back and enjoy. You know, I don't want to get into that. And so that's what, that attitude I was sitting in church, you know, but I remember Pastor David at one day, he was praying and in the sermon he said that, he he challenged us to take responsibilities. And he said, even if it's like lifting chairs, you know, there's a lot of value in that. And that kind of made me think, what am I really doing for God's kingdom? And so I decided I'll join the serving team. And so I started with the serving team and it was quite, yeah, it was quite ordinary. (laughs) In my eyes, it was quite ordinary. But yeah, but I saw how God was teaching me the heart to serve people. And uh, now I'm so blessed with the serving team. I've also now taken up uh, responsibilities for leading the Alpha group for the marriage course. And so I've seen that, you know, over the past few years, you know, God has slowly brought me into this church. And he has slowly uh, blessed me in my work, in my personal life, in my spiritual life as well. And also in this church, he has started to give me more responsibilities. And so I just want to thank God uh, for all that he's been doing for me. And it's my prayer, and I'm also excited to see how God is going to use me in the future. You know, as Joshua said, you know, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that's, that's my prayer to God, that, you know, wherever we have opportunities, we will serve God. So this yeah, brings me back to the end of my testimony. But I just want to thank God for all that He has uh, done for me during the past few years, the way He has blessed me, the way He has uh, embraced me with open arms. And I also want to thank all of you who have been praying for us, for the baby, the Daughters of Zion, there are so many of you who have been praying for us and supporting us in every stage of our life. So I just want to thank you all for upholding us in prayer.
1: Thank you, Danny. From a nominal church, and really not wanting to be a part of adonai I remember when Sil wanted to get married. She was so, you know, said, I need an Adonai boy, Adonai boy. <laughs> and she would go on about Adonai boy. Her father would come and say, pray for an Adonai boy. Now, where do you get boys like that? It's just not easy. And, but God, in his own way, brought Danny across her life. And she had to go to the Methodist church. And we told her, Sil, go. If that's where God's called, go. And you trust God, he will bring Danny here. And God worked in marvelous ways and has brought Danny back here amongst us. Today, he's part of the family and very much enjoying being part of Adonai. So God can touch our hearts without any passion for him, totally cold. It's God who touches and transforms. And not just transforms, you know, just the simple prayer, God take my shame away. And how God comes, takes the shame away and gives you double honor. Today, he's living in a land where he's inheriting the goodness of God. Uh, We have in our midst also another person, Shilpa, who was working in Accenture. She is now a busy housewife, very much involved in uh, hospitality, taking care of things, doing things around. She's also part of the serving team. Uh, She's part of the alpha marriage. And if you're in the neighborhood and you're free, be sure you'll be involved. And so Shilpa here has been uh, touched by God. We sang that song, God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom. Let's see how God lit up the kingdom in her life. Good morning,
0: church. I'm from Hyderabad. I was born in a traditional family to parents who were staunch Hindus. As a family... We worshipped an endless list of idols for our personal favors and yet were never happy and lacked peace. We were constantly worried and extremely anxious about our future. It was as though anxiety and fear were our family members residing with us. I was so depressed and lonely that I created an imaginary world around me where everything was to my liking there and I enjoyed fantasizing about it. A family deity was Shiva, but I was never sure of his existence or even if my prayers were heard. When I was 12 years old, I visited Shirdi, a place where apparently Sai Baba had lived out his life and performed miracles. Finally, I had the proof I then needed for a God who existed. And I was now confident that he is someone I could relate to and worship and who would never let me down. From that day on, I became a devotee of Shirdi Sai Baba. I would fast for days on end. I would visit the temple thrice a day to wash the idols with milk, with honey, with Mysore sandal soap too. And in the afternoon, it was time to offer meal. And in the evening, to sing bhajans. In the night, to put the idol to sleep. It was the temple closing time. So I was extremely religious for a girl my age. After engineering, I got a job in Accenture, and I was posted in Bangalore. At work, a friend of mine started asking questions about God that challenged everything I ever knew about God. Questions like, what is the character of God? Do the gods I worship possess such a character? If not, who does? What would happen to me after I die? whether my good could compensate for my bad. I had no substantial answers for these questions. It was as though my entire belief system was shaken. I became very uncertain about my beliefs, and so I began reading the Bhagavad Gita and other religious books with a renewed interest. He also told me that I could make a simple prayer, asking God to reveal himself to me. And if he was the true God... And if I was convinced about the same, I could make a choice. And all this without mentioning the name of Jesus. So shortly afterward, I told my idols that I am in search of the one true God and that I would stop worshipping them or perform any rituals until I had completed my search. I pleaded with them not to get angry with me during this time. I made a prayer that I didn't want to be cheated anymore or live in ignorance and ask the true God to reveal himself to me. I got hold of a Bible then in my PG and the very first thing that spoke to me was God's love. I could not comprehend that God loved me so much that he cared for me. This did not change my attitude towards Christianity. My parents and forefathers would tell us that Christianity is the religion of untouchables and low-caste people. I never considered the reality of God until I got introduced to Jesus Christ. Yeah, then there came a time when I was so confused whether to carry Bhagavad Gita or the Bible in my bag, and so I carried both. I came to Adonai in August 2012 with a mission to know more about God and how different He is to the God I was worshipping. But honestly, I had an ulterior motive to find fault with the Christian faith. My father always taught me to reason things out. On the last day of the Encounter Weekend, which is a Sunday, I remember sitting on this side. And during the service, I was chalking out the similarities between Jesus and Sai Baba in a tabular form. I was drawing tables. And at that moment, Uncle Victor was preaching and he said, there is someone who is trying to comprehend God with their mind by drawing tables. And that was me. It was as though I was struck by lightning. I immediately shut my book and I began listening. He went on to say, Jesus is the shepherd. He knows his sheep and the sheep his voice. Something had happened at that moment. I began, the Holy Spirit convicted me and I began To weep like never before. This was the turning point in my life. And I understood. After that, I got baptized. A few months later, I renounced all forms of Hinduism. I knew Jesus was the one true God. And after making this choice, it was turned to reveal it to my parents. I knew this choice would be heartbreaking for them. Being a small family, we were closely knit. And I knew my relationships were at stake. So I practiced my faith in secret. Although I really wanted to disclose it to them, I I kept it in secret. My parents, on the other hand, sensed something in me had changed. And they were very upset that I was brainwashed. They never wanted to face the fact that I was a Christian. Although deep down inside, they knew it. They wanted me to come back home and get married. On one of my visits home, my father began drafting a letter for my transfer back to Hyderabad. I told him I would not do so as I didn't have peace about it. He became furious. And in the following conversation, I revealed to him that I had become a Christian. The following few days were extremely painful and torturous. My parents never slept. They would beg me at times, even falling to my feet, to change my mind about Christ. The sight of my father weeping The sight of my father weeping and pleading with me broke my heart. They even got a priest, an astrologer, home to try and convince me uh, that Christians are a deceptive lot and their only aim is to convert people of other faiths to Christianity. But Jesus was faithful and he sustained me during this trying time. After that, my parents miraculously let me come back to Bangalore. However, they continued to abuse me emotionally, even threatening to end their lives. They would pay me surprise visits, constantly trying to keep an eye on me and to prevent me from attending church. I was so broken at this stage that I just knew, but I knew I had to hold on. Even though I accepted Christ, I was going through a lot of of things myself. I had no understanding about them. I was tormented in the nights with nightmares of snakes and other spirits and at times I could feel someone trying to choke me. I attended the 9 school in April 2012. At the school, the teaching gave me an understanding that these experiences were a direct result of the idol worship and the sins of my forefathers. As a child, I was dedicated to Shiva, our family deity. We made offerings to snakes and sacrificed animals. My maternal grandfather used to make charms for snake bites, etc. We all practiced astrology, numerology, vastu and many other Hindu beliefs whose roots are in the occult. During my ministry time, I repented from all these rituals and in the ministry team, they broke the power over darkness and its consequences over my life. That same night, I saw the spirit of Shiva leaving me in a dream. I was also set free from spirits that held me bound through astrology, numerology and other superstitious beliefs. The very next morning, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. I felt a freedom that was unknown to me earlier. Six months later, I got married and began a new season in my life. But I always missed home and my family because they opposed my marriage to a Christian. And in all the excitement of things, of marriage, I had not dealt with the grief of separating from my parents. After one year of marriage, I went through a health crisis for about four months. I visited multiple doctors for help and had to undergo several tests. So I met with Victor and Auntie Annie. For me, standing up for my faith was the right thing to do. So I did not realize that I had to address the emotional pain of separation. During my ministry time, one of the things they asked me to do was to deal, was to address the grief associated with the separation and release the hurt and pain. I was reluctant to go through this process as I had to relive that painful experience all over again. But they led me through it, and I was able to come to terms with what had happened. As soon as I did that, I threw up. It was as if something from my stomach was literally scooped out. My grief was replaced with joy. Today, I still miss my family and long to talk to them. But this time, I am not overcome by grief. I know that God has a purpose in all of this. And in his time, he will make a way. In a couple of days, my uh, test reports came back normal. I was restored to health. And early this year... I attended the PMT. I had clarity about what actually happened during the ministry, during my ministry time in the 90s school. The spiritual realms became so real to me. Being in the ministry team gave me an experience in dealing with areas where Satan had held people captive like occult and idolatry. Now, ministering to people only deepens my conviction, and I'm also able to see the reality of how the spiritual realm of darkness keeps people spiritually blind and bound that only after they're set free they know what true freedom is today it's a whole new experience for me to be a captive and experiencing freedom and now seeing other people set free and transformed my one desire is for God to use me to set people free I thank Uncle Victor, Auntie Annie for the ministry and the ministry team and all my friends for their love, prayers and support over the years. Above all, I thank God and my Savior Jesus Christ for bringing me out of darkness into light. I once used to wash and clean my God, but my God washes me clean. In the temple, I used to stand right in the front to sing and worship the dead. Today, I I stand right in the front to sing and worship the living God. (laughs) The Bible says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. My God has never failed me from my salvation to our marriage and after. Looking back over the last five years, I have only grown closer to God. He has and continues to be my father, my best friend, and in him I am complete. I have lost a little, but I have gained much in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.